Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. In today's message, I want to focus on setting godly priorities over our life. Kind of think of today's message as the nuts and bolts of what holds life together. Okay, can you think of it that way? The Apostle Paul writes these words in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do you understand what the will of the Lord is? We're going to talk about that today. Look at those first six words. Look carefully then how you walk. Look carefully then how you walk. It reminds me of following a set of instructions like when you order something, an item from Amazon or from Ikea, and it comes in a box, and then all of a sudden you didn't realize, but now you're having to assemble all the items in that box. And they give you a a book of instructions on how to assemble those items. And, And I don't know, one of the things just for some of you to understand is that, um, um, you can't understand something unless you're ready to read the instructions. That's for all of us guys who don't like to read instructions. That was me early on in life. I didn't want to read the instructions. But then I learned through experience that reading the instructions actually was really important. It saved me a lot of time. It saved me from missing steps. And it was amazing. When I started reading the instructions, all of a sudden I didn't have all those extra leftover pieces afterwards which were kind of integral to the structure of what you were building. See, God's word is our set of instructions. He's given it to us for a purpose. And today's message is titled, Putting All the Pieces Together. How do you put all the pieces of your life together? When Jesus came to this earth, he came to bring salvation to all people, but he also came to give us instructions on how we can put all the pieces of our life together. We often hear it said that Jesus is more than a teacher. He's our Savior, our Messiah. But I want to circle back around that I understand that Jesus is more than a teacher. But let's not deny that Jesus is the great teacher. Jesus had this ability to elevate what was truly important over what was not. In one of his teachings, probably probably the most famous teaching in the Bible, is the Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew chapter 5, verse Matthew 5 through chapter 7. Jesus challenged the people to be different from the way the the world thinks. He challenged our thoughts. Jesus told those following him, do not be anxious about this life. Stop worrying about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. Don't worry about all those things. All the Gentiles, the the people of this world worry about that. You don't need to worry about that. You're, You're prioritizing the wrong thing. See, you're worried about the material things of this life instead of being focused on the spiritual matters that will impact your life for all of eternity. We get things mixed up. We put parts in the wrong order. We, we, get, we go to step four instead of step one. You know, you can accumulate all the wonderful things that this world can offer, but you must be careful that at the completion of life, you don't find yourself missing the one crucial step that gives you 
meaning and gives you purpose. In the middle of his teaching, Jesus states the following words, and this is tucked in chapters 5 of Matthew to chapter 7. You find this in chapter 6, verse 33. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I read of a pastor who made the decision to set his alarm each and every morning at 6.33 a.m. Just to remind himself of Matthew 6.33. To remind himself of the very first thing that when he wakes up, the first thing I'm going to do in my day is I'm going to seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness. I thought that was a pretty good idea. I was going to do that, but then I would miss Bible study because it starts at 6.30. 6.33 a.m. This is a really important step in our set of instructions that we must follow. If we don't follow this crucial step, our lives will never be complete. We're missing the step that gives us purpose and meaning. Towards the end of his teaching in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus gives us this promise. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. It's like the first page of instructions that you receive, but you know, when you get that box from Ikea and you're you're looking at it, or maybe we're coming into the fall time, we're coming into wintertime, and I don't know how many of you guys put puzzles together. Anybody put puzzles together? Yeah. And we all what, what do you always do? You set that box up so that you have a picture of what the puzzle is supposed to look like. I think Jesus just gave us a picture of what we're supposed to look like. When we when we do these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And when we listen to those words and we apply them into our life, then, then we're going to look like a person whose house is built upon a rock that when the storms of life, when the wind and the rain, when the hurricane, when the tornadoes, when everything comes up against you, you're going to be inside your house without fear because you have built your house upon the rock. Everything can come against you, but because you followed the instructions... Guess what? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things we added to you. Because you follow those instructions, Jesus said, guess what? All those other things of this life are not going to harm you. We're like the wise person who has built a house that will last from generation to generation. It's one of my prayers of my life. If you don't pray that prayer, I encourage you to do so. I pray that, man, my kids are going to serve the Lord. But, man, I just keep going. I don't stop. I go to my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, my great-great-great-grandchildren. I just keep going as long as I can go. Lord, as long as there is breath on this earth, as long as you, until the return of, your, of, of Christ, I pray that each and every one of my relatives, my kids, will serve you, Lord. So how do we build such a house that Jesus talked about? Look again at Jesus' instructions. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Jesus gives us the foundation of what's important. Our goal every day should be seek first the kingdom of God. Every day we should be seeking first the kingdom of God. The statement itself, seek first the kingdom of God, seems like it's easy to do. Make God the priority of your life. Okay, I can do that. 
but it's the context. It's when all of a sudden all the different things of life starts to come up against you. When all of a sudden you start to worry about your mortgage payment or your car payment or all of a sudden you start to worry about a relationship and all these things start to dominate you and all of a sudden God all of a sudden doesn't take first priority anymore. What does he take? He takes second priority, third priority. Because we become dominated with worry. We become dominated with temptation. We become dominated with success. The list goes on and on. We allow the things of the world to become our priority instead of the kingdom of God. But Jesus said, seek first what? The kingdom of God. Say that with me. The kingdom of God. Let's define the kingdom of God. By the way, I view the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven as really the same. Jesus and his disciples use these two phrases interchangeably. The kingdom of God represents God's sovereignty over everything. We live under God's authority. Now, God has given us a choice. He's given us a choice that we can choose to live under his authority or we can choose to reject his authority. We can can choose to reject him and follow our own direction. It doesn't mean that we're still not under God's authority, though, by the way. We're all going to give an answer one day. Because God's rule is sovereign. He is supreme. I think one of the great examples found in the Bible of God's sovereignty, that God is the king of all kings, is found in Daniel chapter 4 with King Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was a king who wanted to be worshipped. And he had this vision and, and Daniel came and interpreted the dream and, and it, wasn't a good, it wasn't a good thing because he, he had so much pride he wanted to be worshipped. But soon he discovered that God was the only one worthy of that honor. He was the only one worthy of worship. God ended up humbling Nebuchadnezzar by causing him to basically go crazy. He went insane. All of a sudden, all the servants are looking for King Nebuchadnezzar. Where's King Nebuchadnezzar? Oh, he's out in the field grazing, literally. If you haven't read the story, read the story. He's literally the king. He goes from king to being like a wild animal who is grazing, who's eating the grass, it says, in the field. He went crazy. He went insane. He spent seven years in this mindset before God restored his thinking. When his mind was restored, King Nebuchadnezzar made this statement. Listen to these words. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. For all his works are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Nebuchadnezzar discovered that God is sovereign. That we might have our own little kingdom. Like Nebuchadnezzar reigned for like 40 years and he had his own little kingdom. But God's kingdom is ultimate authority. God's kingdom rules over all the kingdoms and God's kingdom is eternal. If we want to follow Jesus, we must submit to his authority and seek his kingdom above all else. We must allow God's authority to rule over our hearts. I mean, we must accept Jesus as our Lord of our life. We follow his instructions, not our own instructions. That's hard to do, to seek God's kingdom. And I want to share something with you. I want to have this come to life to you. When we seek after God's kingdom, it requires repentance. We don't talk a lot about repentance. But so many times in our life, what do we want to do? We want to follow our own direction. We want to do it my way. 
I want to do it my way. I think Frank Sinatra said that song. I want to do it my way. And we want to do it all, all my way, not God's way. And there's times in our life what we have to do is we have to repent to God and say, God, I'm trying to build my own kingdom. I'm trying to do my own thing. Forgive me, Lord. I surrender under your authority, under your kingdom. We've got to repent of our pride. If you don't if you have pride, man, I, I'm amazed because I think we all have pride in our life. See, the only way we get rid of that is Jesus said we must be born again. We must be born again of his spirit, allowing his spirit to rule and lead over our life. It's learning to recognize God's importance in my life. I think of the story of Mary and Martha found in Luke chapter 10. I want to read that story for just a moment. It's a wonderful lesson on priorities. Listen to the story. It says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving as she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve all alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Mary chose what was right. What is the good portion? It's the kingdom of God. She is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his teachings. She had chosen well. But Martha was anxious and troubled by the details of preparing dinner. How many times do you guys get troubled and anxious about details of life? <laughs> we all get upset. We all have those struggles. But when Martha confronts Jesus about the situation, Jesus tells Martha that Mary has chosen the better option. And it's important to understand that Martha's not doing anything wrong. Martha is trying to, to make dinner. She's trying to do what is right. But in the midst of doing those activities, in the midst of the details, she lost her focus that the main person, the main purpose was to worship Jesus. She got caught up in the details, which the that those weren't bad, but they are bad when they start becoming number one in your life. She allowed the details to distract her from what was most important, seeking the kingdom of God. And it reminds me that we need to learn to give balance between doing and being. We need to have balance between doing and being present. Some of you are doers. You love to do things. I'm a task person. I love to do things. But sometimes we just need to slow down and be present in the presence of God. It's important. The second instruction we see in Matthew 6, is seek his righteousness. What does this mean? It means that we are called to align our lives to godly principles that are taught in God's word. We are to pursue God's righteousness. Jesus said in the beginning of his teachings on the Sermon on the Mount, he said, Blessed are those who are hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are those who thirst and hunger after righteousness. Another way you could translate that, that word righteousness from the Greek is the approval of God. We should hunger and thirst for God's approval. Have you ever thought of it that way? It's kind of a cool thought. We should desire to do what is right in God's eyes. I'm giving you some instructions from God's word. It's actually, I'm, Jesus is. Our human nature wants to do what is right in our own eyes. 
but God wants us to do what is right in his eyes. It doesn't, I mean, it does matter what you think, but it doesn't matter what you think. It matters what God thinks. I mean, God cares for you, but it doesn't matter what you think. It matters what God thinks. Many times we want to skip God's instructions and go straight to living life as we see best. But notice in Matthew 6, the priority of seeking his righteousness remains the same as seeking his kingdom. Seeking his righteousness and seeking his kingdom remains the same. It's first. It's priority. It remains in first position. And this can be a struggle because many times we want to pursue what we feel what is right. I, know, I got this. I got this. I can do this. You've heard the saying, do what feels right or trust your instincts. Don't trust your instincts. Pray. 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 We're not called to trust our instincts. We're instructed to pursue God's righteousness. I'm giving you, man, that this is a plan right there, laying it out. If you pursue God's righteousness, he'll align everything else up. And this is a vital step towards building a life filled with purpose and meaning. Jesus asked us to seek his righteousness first. And the righteousness of God is more demanding than our righteousness. It's more demanding. Man, Pastor Tom, hard message. I'm sorry. It's God's word. Because God's righteousness goes beyond our actions. God's righteousness uncovers the intent of our heart. Jesus says repeatedly in his teachings, especially here in this, on the Sermon on the Mount, he says repeatedly, he says, you have heard that it was said. Then he states something about one of the laws. I'll just give you an example. You must not murder. That's what he says. You, you must not murder. So he's listing a sinful action that goes against God's law. Did you catch that? He's listing, this is one of the commandments, he's listing a sinful action that goes against law. You have heard it said. But then Jesus shifts it from action to the heart. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. Why does Jesus do this? Isn't it enough that we just don't act upon our thoughts? I mean, can't I have a bad thought, but if I don't act upon it, do I get any credit, God? Come on, I'm just being real. Why can't I be angry at someone if I don't act upon my anger? Because Jesus wants more than our actions. Jesus wants our heart. He wants not just our actions to follow after him. He wants our heart to follow after him. See, the Pharisees were trying to obey the letter of law through actions. But the intent of the heart was evil. And Jesus was calling them out. Can you imagine being in a marriage where your relationship was based only on actions? Where you knew the person's heart wasn't for you? The person only stayed with you out of duty, but not out of love? That would be a miserable marriage. Jesus wants to transform our hearts, where our righteousness is not a response to the fear of punishment, but our righteousness is in response on how much God loves us and how much we love God. That's where our righteousness comes from. See, our righteousness will never be enough. God already knew that. That's why he sent his son Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. Because it's the righteousness of Christ in us that makes us enough. But in with that understanding, the righteousness of Christ in us, with the power of his Holy Spirit, we don't have to continue to act upon our fleshly desires. We can start following 
Christ desires that is in my heart because my heart has been turned to God. It's not just my actions. Apostle Paul writes these words. He says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The wonderful thing about this set of instructions about putting all the pieces back together again and you have them all laid out there and you're trying to figure out which way. The wonderful thing about our Savior, about following after God, that when all of a sudden we get confused, we can't figure out how to put all the pieces back together, Jesus does. He does. He says, okay, you need some help here. My grace is sufficient. Here I come. And his grace is sufficient to carry us over that threshold that we need. If you want more righteousness in your life, then pursue more of Jesus. He is the one who has been given the title, Lord is our righteousness. Jesus will change your life. And finally, I come to the promise in Matthew 6, that Jesus gives us. And all these things will be added to you. Remember the criteria is seeking God first in your life. What do all these things represent? It's God's provision. It's God's guidance. It's God's blessings. Do you know that God desires good for you? He doesn't desire to harm you. He desires good for you. It doesn't mean that life will always be easy. But it does mean that God will not forsake you. He will always be with you. Even through the difficult times. Even through the tough times. You see, true fulfillment and joy are found in knowing God. That's where we find fulfillment and joy. When we pursue God first in our lives, then we will experience his blessings. That's what that scripture says. When we pursue God first and his righteousness, his kingdom, then guess what? We're not going to have to go without, without because God says, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to provide for the needs that you have. I'm always sad because so many times people think that the blessings of God are just monetary. And there's a lot of people that just believe on all these blessings. Man, if you believe that God's blessings are only material, you're missing out. Because you know how many people are searching for peace and joy and love and forgiveness? Man, that's a blessing that you can't buy. There's people in Hollywood, there's sports athletes, they would spend millions of dollars just to find peace right now. And you can find that peace through Jesus Christ. He brings blessings into our life. When we die, we're not going to be thinking about all of our wonderful possessions. <laughs> when we die, oh man, I can't, all these wonderful possessions, there's nothing wrong with wonderful possessions. I'm just, but there, I'm, there's nothing wrong with possessions. I don't think they're wonderful. Okay, let's just put it that way. There's nothing wrong with possessions. But when we die, I promise you, you're not going to be thinking about all those things. Oh, how nice my house is. Oh, that brand new car I bought. It was so cool. It could be cool. But on your deathbed, you're not going to be thinking about those things. What you're going to be thinking about is your relationship with Christ. What you're going to be thinking about is eternity in heaven with God. What you're going to be thinking about is spending eternity with all my loved ones who have followed Christ. That there's going to be a reunion one day where we can all celebrate together. This church, one big church, will be all together celebrating the love of Jesus. That's what you're going to be thinking about. That's what's going to be in your heart. Spending eternity with God. If you want to put all the pieces together, then choose to put your faith in Jesus. Because he is the one who can give you hope and purpose for your life. How many believe that here today? Lord, we thank you for your word today. 
We thank you that your word, Lord God, is powerful, it is effective, and it impacts our lives. Today we worship you. We worship you, Lord God, because you are the God to worship. You're the one that came from heaven to earth to sacrifice your life for our sins. God, I pray for those today who maybe are struggling in whatever area of life and they're trying to figure out which way to go or how to go. Or I pray, God, that they would understand the directions that you've already given us. Seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. And Lord God, as they do that, I pray, God, that you would add all the other things that they need in their life. If you're here today, say, Pastor Tom, that's what I need. I just need more direction. I just need a direction and purpose. Just raise your hand real high. Lord, you see those hands? I pray, God, blessing upon each person. I pray this week, Lord God, you give them clarity of thought. And that, Lord God, when they wake up in the morning at 6.33 a.m., they would recognize, Lord God, the first thing they got to do is pursue you. And as they continue to do that, God, I pray that you would bless them abundantly. I ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.